Hey, 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 what do you say? Your favorite person in this entire world welcoming you to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 184's pre-roll, wherein I want to tell you that I uh, really appreciate all of the five-star reviews that we've been getting on Apple's iTunes, and uh, we have noticed your questions. What we're going to be doing is Mark and Odie and I are going to jump on a special episode that will air in the public feed to address the questions that have been brought up there. We'll do a little round table with the three of us, and that way we can bang those out and have a little fun while we do it uh, and answer your questions. So again, keep them coming. We love it. Maybe we'll try to do a regular thing if the people keep doing reviews and keep uh, asking pertinent questions that we feel uh, should be addressed. So anyway, thanks again, guys. And if you'd like to support us in another way, of course, you can always go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land. I am, of course, the illustrious Brian McWilliams. Happy 4th of July, late happy 4th of July to everybody out there. And you know what a hell of a 4th of July it was. I don't know if you guys follow me on Twitter or on Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at Brian McWilliams and of course follow at Lions of Liberty for all of our uh, our shenanigans. And then of course I'm at McWillie time on my Instagram, but you could also follow us on at Lions of Liberty on Instagram. Bingo bango. But I posted a video that I took on New Year on New Year's Eve on the 4th of July whenever to my buddy's house had a small little uh, gathering there, shared food, <laughs> had a little bit of a COVID scare. Because <laughs> like the day after, or the Monday after, one of my friends got her COVID test back, which she needed for work, and uh, tested positive. We were like, ah, crap. And then, of course, she goes back and gets a better test, a deeper no- a nose test, and it came back negative. Then her husband's came back negative. My wife's coming back negative. So it's all just, you know, I guess it's a false positive or somehow a tainted test. But anyway, that little scare aside, had a nice little time. But we go up and my buddy, you know, he lives on the hill in my same neighborhood, but you can get up pretty high. And from this hill uh, in Hawthorne, you can see all of Los Angeles. And we're looking across all of downtown LA and Inglewood, and you're just seeing fireworks light up the night sky nonstop. And of course, people made the observation, this is what it sounds like when uh, people are getting bombed from America abroad, which, of course, <laughs> very true. Sounds like a cacophony of uh, explosions, of uh, whiz bangers, of, uh, you know, whatever else. Uh, the annoying fucking mortars that people set off to go off at three in the morning and wake you and your baby up, make you want to kill people. But suffice to say, it was an amazing spectacle. And a very heartwarming one. And I think it was my favorite 4th of July that I've ever experienced in Los Angeles. Because, of course, I'm not from L.A. I'm, I grew up in uh, well, outside of Philadelphia in a place called Yardley. Well, basically Yardley, Morrisville. It was right between Yardley, Pennsylvania and Morrisville, Pennsylvania. Now, these are outside the city of Philadelphia by about 40 minutes. And, uh, and you know, fairly close, kind of like split between the Jersey border and Philly. I had close to New Hope, um, you know, easy drive over to Trenton to see that beautiful city. Yeah, just wow. To take in the glory that is Trenton, New Jersey, folks. Wowie, wow, wow. Make sure you 
Make sure you see it when you're checking off your homeless bingo uh, cards and your soot-filled, dilapidated buildings. Um, But growing up outside of of Philly, you know, fireworks were still not legal in the sense that you couldn't get the giant, crazy fireworks in Pennsylvania, right? Or at least not in Philadelphia. But what we do is my family would go to the Carolinas every year for vacation, you know, summer vacation, get a house for cheap. You know, we'd split it with a couple other families. And on the way down, you would stop off at this place called South of the Border. And I think South of the Border was just south of the North Carolina border. And as you went into South Carolina, if I'm remembering correctly, there was this massive place south of the border where you could buy fireworks, like fireworks and Mexican food, but mostly fireworks because they knew it was legal there. So you'd stock up, chuck them in your car, and you'd drive on back. And we had wonderful Fourths of July where we would we wouldn't go to sea, except maybe two or three times I can remember in the course of my growing up, where you'd go to the field and do the classic, okay, we're gonna go to Washington Square Park and we're gonna lie on the grass with our blanket and have a little picnic and stare up at the sky, which is a, a fun experience when your local town does that. I'm not gonna take anything away from that. It's fun. It's also very expensive for taxpayers to pay for. So the other times, though, it was just a community. We'd get together in a backyard with our neighbors. We'd set off these fireworks. It was you know, just a hell of a time. The dads would get drunk. The moms would chat. The kids would run around with sparklers and catch lightning bugs and, uh, and set off the little firecrackers and have a hell of a time. And that, of course, in Los Angeles, it happens in a, in a somewhat of a smaller extent where you'll still have neighborhoods and they'll still have, you know, communities shut down streets and you'll see a few fireworks going off that are actually going high in the air and exploding in the the showers of sparks and colors and everything else that you'd like to see on 4th of July. But most people are content to say, well, if the government's going to do it, if my taxes are paying for it, then fuck it. Why am I going to go out of the way and buy fireworks or find somebody or, you know, take the risk that I'm going to get arrested by bringing them in uh, just to, you know, to set them off? And when I could just be going to this free one, quote unquote, free one that my local city or state's going on, or I can go up to a hill and see the fireworks in Santa Monica or the fireworks and, you know, from whatever college or, you know, drive down and look at the Disneyland fireworks from the side of the road, whatever it might be. But of course, this year they canceled all of them. They told us explicitly that all the fireworks shows were canceled because God forbid people get together in an outdoor area where they could easily social distance themselves or you could have them sit in their cars or you could have them do whatever. But God forbid we have any of that fun. So people went out and found all these fireworks and they set them off and it was fucking awesome. Everywhere you looked in the night sky in Los Angeles for a good four hours, maybe more, it, I went to bed at about 1230 and it was still going off, not to the same extent it was earlier, but everywhere you looked, the sky was lit up. I mean, there's an interesting video. If you don't want to view my video, which is uh, truncated, there's a great video of just a drone flying over Los Angeles, you know, taking it in. And it is just amazing to see. But that's the thing is like, I, I try to go out of my way to remind people, this is what happens when you get government out of it. When you have local communities that come together, you have people, we're in the midst of this fucking racial strife bullshit right now. And you have people coming together from all different races, from all different uh, economic income levels, getting together, get, you know, chilling in the street, setting off fireworks. Nobody. And, and also, I didn't see a crazy rise in hospitalizations 
Did you? No, because they didn't happen. Because while there are assholes and idiots out there, and trust me, those are the people leading most of these movements that we're seeing right now. And of course, the people following them, idiots and assholes as well. But most people are not. <laughs> you know, they're... Most people can can take care of themselves, despite what government might want you to believe, that you're too inept to take care of yourself, that your children and your, uh, and your relatives and your neighbors have it out for you and can't be trusted to go out and set a, a, you know, a wick on fire and then back away to a safe distance before it goes off, just like the instructions say. Well, when you find out that people get together. They have a wonderful time. Nobody gets hurt. Everybody has fun. Everybody's getting to know each other better. You've got communities coming together. And we didn't have to worry about spending, you know, $7 million that the government no longer has because how are they making any income when no one's making any money for them to tax? But we don't have to worry about that at an expense. We don't have to worry about finding parking and driving out to the middle of nowhere and getting stuck in fucking traffic for an hour getting out of there, which is why I don't go to any of these big fireworks shows anymore. Instead, you can just walk out your front door, look up at the sky or walk down to your neighbors, you know, down the street that have closed the street off or having an event and say, hey, what can I bring over? I want to come and hang out here and look at some fireworks with you guys. Tell me that's not a better world. Tell me a lot of the issues that we have can't just simply be solved by people generally hanging out together in these type of formats and getting to know each other. I mean, neighborhood and community, we've been scared out of this because the media plays up how child predators are on every street corner, how that, the, you know, how you can't trust your neighbors because it's always the neighbors that take the kids. Or you can't trust your, uh, you know, your, your, anybody, if you get out of your car in Los Angeles, because there's violence in the streets, that's all bullshit. Neighborhoods, communities, families, these are things that have kept America great for a long time, that have kept any society, really, that's moving up and has any sort of upward economic mobility in place. Having a community there, having a family unit in place, being able to trust your neighbors, being able to trust your friends and loved ones, having responsibilities be lent to them if you can't do it. I mean, growing up, we would often have neighbors take care of us or watch us. My parents would say, oh, keep an eye out. We'd go trolling around the neighborhood on our bikes. My parents wouldn't worry about it. You know, Lenore Skenazi talks about this all the time uh, from, what was it, Children Without Borders? I believe is what the name of it is. And I apologize to Lenore because I know she's been on the podcast before. Um, but, you know, you look at, or free range kids, free range kids. You look at the madness that's overtaking everybody. And how it's made everybody far more secluded. And also just, of course, social media plays into that because people are too socially awkward now to go up and talk to the neighbors and look them in the eyes. I mean, Christ, even older neighbors that should be above and beyond the social generation. I walk down the street. I'm a friendly guy. You know, again, running joke. Brian talks libertarianism to drunk guys at bars. I'm a friendly guy. Even though I, you know, even though I have my own, I will fully admit this. I have my own social awkwardness. Trust you me. There is a reason that I am so good at talking and outgoing and I crack so many jokes. And it's not just that, you know, some people are definitely born with it. Maybe I'm born with it. Maybe it's Maybelline. I don't know. You know, my dad's an outgoing guy too. But there's a social awkwardness to me, in which case I don't like awkward silence. I, I feel very uncomfortable in it. I have to fill that space with something. 
That's my social awkwardness. Now, it comes across as being a jovial guy. It comes across as, hey, Brian's here, great. He's, you know, one of the lives of the party. <laughs> I don't want to be this the full center of attention in any place. But, you know, when I'm walking down the street, I'll still say hi to all my neighbors. I want to be able to walk down. I want to be able to uh, to interact with people in a cordial way where if somebody's going to rob my house later, they're going to say something. They're going to call somebody. If my kid's in trouble, they're going to help. If my dog runs out of the house, they're going to say, oh shit, come here, spot. <laughs> come here, Hank, you big douchebag, vicious motherfucker, as my dog is. And that's been lost. Because the media plays it up. They tell us these things are evil. We've got social media-centric people that now no longer want to talk to their neighbors. They only want to talk to the people that simply see eye to eye with them. And that's it. And I was just reading, you know, Reason had a, uh, an article. I was going to come around to this later, but I might as well talk about it now. Uh, actually, it ties in well. So I want to, I want to transition. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Well, let me talk about one quick thing. And then after I talk about this one quick thing, which is just that... One last thing on 4th of July, and then I'll move on to this this study, uh, <laughs> the dark triad. Um, I'll get into this study and talk about Kanye and also Terry Crews for a bit. But to wrap up this 4th of July thing, so they cancel the fireworks. People say, fuck you, and a, great, a grand display of civil disobedience that I could not get enough of. But going into this, Surgeon General Adams is on, uh, I think he was on CNN or on, or on Good Morning America or the Today Show. I think it was actually Today Show. And he's out there and he gives this whole speech about, oh, you know, we need to be safe in America and the COVID. And, and then he says at the end, he goes, now remember, if you want more freedom and more independence, wear a mask. If you wear a mask, you're going to get it. And if you want more freedom and independence, wear a mask, because that'll allow everything to open up. Now, I'm sure he didn't necessarily, actually, I'm not even sure. Maybe he didn't mean what I'm going to read out of this. But when I see the goddamn Surgeon General telling me that if I want freedom, if I want my independence and my freedom, that I better wear a mask. It certainly sounds like they're threatening to take all of my freedom and independence away if I don't wear a simple piece of cloth over my face. Now, I have said this before. I'm not an asshole. I will wear the mask, even though I honestly, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about COVID at all. We're going to talk a little bit more about COVID uh, later in the show. I'm not concerned about it. I'm not. I'm 40. Um, I would prefer not to wear a mask, but I do it out of consideration for other people who I know are are psychopaths uh, and will lose their shit. And also, of course, look, I might have it. So fine. You know, if I'm going to go out in an enclosed environment, I'll wear it, keep the old people safe, keep the elderly safe, even though it seems like all young people are getting it now. But for the Surgeon General to threaten people by saying, if you want more of it, they'll wear a mask. But of course, him saying also the simple words, if you want more freedom and independence to wear it, indicates that clearly we're not at prime freedom and independence right now, are we? Clearly we're being governed, clearly we're being forced to do something we don't want. Clearly, our freedoms have been fucking removed from us. How else will we be able to get more of them? If we're at peak freedom, how are you going to give me more freedom, jackass? By wearing a mask. So it's clearly a threat, and it's clearly indicative of the state of affairs right now, where we are already abdicating our rights and our freedoms. I mean, of course, we have it forever. We talk, we talk about this all the time, but this is... 
obviously an unprecedented time. And I'll circle back to COVID when I talk about jackass Gavin Newsom. But before I do that, I want to talk about the, the main topic of this show, as much as there is a main topic of any of my shows, uh, which is I'm, I'm fascinated by Kanye West coming out and saying he's going to run for president. Hashtag 2020 vision, Kanye West. Now, Joe Jorgensen's out there, of course, and Spike Cohen. And, and I think I mentioned I'm going to have Spike Cohen on uh, in about a month and a half, I think. So that'll be good because I can see a little bit better snapshot of what's going on with their campaign and find out how they're, you know, how are you doing? Are the registration numbers up? How is the messaging rolling out there? And, and good news, our buddy Dan Smots over at the System is Down podcast, I believe, is back on the team now doing creative work for them uh, after the awesome work that he did for Vermin Supreme and his campaign previously. But Kanye joining in definitely throws a monkey wrench in a lot of things, right? I mean, goddamn, if you're the Democrats, Kanye West, who you already attacked viciously for supporting Donald Trump earlier, and yet he does not give a shit. He's not stopped supporting Trump. Maybe he's thought back a little bit, but I doubt it because Kim Kardashian West is doing so much work with social justice, and Donald Trump has been a very willing partner in that, pardoning people she's brought to the forefront. I mean, Christ, tell me Kim Kardashian hasn't done more for justice reform other than possibly, well, at least in 2020, right? The first step back passed last year. I'd say in 2020, she's got to have done more than anybody else out there that's in Congress or, you know, that's, that's, that's working in government. So now you got Kanye saying he's going to run for president. Now, while maybe you're going to get the votes from Trump side of things, you know, there's the, the same votes that were Ron Paul votes, all right? Because Ron Paul was the fuck you candidate. He was the non-establishment candidate. He had a lot of support from people that were like, fuck the establishment. Now, sadly, those people clearly, while he, even though he raised a lot of people that did stay in the movement, I mean, myself included, obviously, and Mark and John and all of the Lions of Liberty. But while we had that surge, I would say a good 50%, maybe not 50, let's say 30% of those people left virtually immediately as soon as there were another, another anti-establishment candidate they could back. They went to Bernie Sanders, right? Even though it makes no sense. Other than, I mean, maybe you could argue, okay, well, Bernie Sanders votes, uh, you know, he votes with his heart, even though he's a, he's still a, a sellout piece of shit. Um, but right, maybe you can make an argument for that. But you could certainly say, well, he doesn't go along with the establishment norms, even though he rolled over on his back for the DNC, you know, kissed Hillary's ass and then rolled over again, dropped out and let Biden run away with it. It's too funny. But he was the anti-establishment candidate, right? So he got some Ron Paul voters, I'm sure. And then he got Trump coming in here and he was the anti-establishment, you know, outside of politics coming in. The same people that supported Donald Trump and now are dismayed with a lot of what he's been doing because he did not come through on so many of his promises because he has kept the swamp in place. I mean, fucking John Bolton. Talk about, oh, talking about just a beautiful little bit of come about or turn about as fair play. You know, the schadenfreude I do feel, even though I hate John Bolton with a passion. And I and it, and it does annoy me when he is uh, attacking Trump, mostly because I know John Bolton's a lying piece of shit, warmongering fuck. And I know that Trump fired him for being a lying piece of shit, warmongering fuck who wanted to bomb everything. It still really pisses me off when he goes out to the media and they, of course, all the liberal media 
just cannot get enough of him because anything to harm Trump is, of course, something that we have to put on the air. Meanwhile, I do give Trump credit for getting rid of him. But it still is funny that it's coming around to bite him in the ass because you shouldn't have hired him in the first place. What were you thinking? You're running on an anti-imperialism, anti-regime change platform. You're supposed to be pulling the troops home and you bring in this fucking warmongering walrus to come and lead your, your State Department? Are you insane? Ah, but anyway, so you got people coming in now that they see Trump. They're like, this guy's not that at an establishment. Now you got Kanye West. Kanye is anti-establishment as it gets. Can't Kanye is so anti-establishment that he even ditches his own, like, if you listen to his music, I mean, my wife, my wife was playing this great, great video. And uh, actually, maybe I could let me play you just a quick 30 seconds. I can get away with, I think, 15 seconds. We're already fucking demonetized on YouTube. So what are they going to do if they flag it for demonetization? So I'm going to let me play you 15 seconds of this Kanye song, if you could call it uh, that much, that she was showing me the video. People were mashing in with like, when I heard Kanye's running, this is going to be his campaign sound, campaign music. Oh my God, how do you beat that? Anyway, point being, Kanye doesn't give any fucks. And I mean, when you're throwing stuff like that out, you clearly just, you got a belief in yourself. You don't care. You're going to do what you're going to do. I mean, good. And you can't take away from him. He's, he has built himself an empire. I mean, people always kiss Jay-Z's ass uh, for building an empire. I don't even think Kanye had to slang drums to do it. I think he just did it with music. So, you know, he's he's a guy who's had an entrepreneurial mindset. He had a tech company. I think he started. He's got his clothing line. He's got his music. He's got, you know, he's he's definitely an idea man, for better or worse, and not afraid to stir the pot and not afraid to go against public opinion. So, if he ran, and of course he's got no official uh, balloting yet, he has not put in uh, to officially run. Even he doesn't have a running mate. He doesn't have. Yeah, you know, he's got nothing. So it remains to be seen if he is going to run. But tell me, if you're the Democrats right now, right? Are you shitting the bed more than the Donald Trump Republican base? I mean, while he's going to pull away that anti-establishment vote from Trump. He may not have even gotten that anymore. Those people may have flopped back to the other side or much to our chagrin, they might've even gone for Joe Jorgensen. I think that is a big target market, this campaign for us, because like I said, Trump slipped people down. You've got Joe in there who's running out. She's a female candidate with an, a very untraditional Spike Cohen as a running mate. I mean, talk about reaching out to the anti-establishment people. Spike's got that in spades. But now that Kanye's in there, those pro- those votes are probably not going to Joe anymore if he if he runs. But if you're the Democrats, you really got to be shitting their fucking pants. Because I was just reading some stats about Democrats and the way the voters break down, and they're saying that more than anything, Biden is actually bleeding moderate Democrats because he's flocking leftward as he's being pulled by these you know these uh, rabid progressives in the party. They're pulling the entire party leftward. And a lot of the moderate Democrats or the more conservative Democrats are not following suit. And they're looking for somewhere else to go. So you got to wonder, 
right? If you got these other Democrats, they're not happy with Biden. They hate Trump. Maybe they go with Joe Jorgensen. Maybe they look to Kanye. Yeah, probably not. But at the same time, if you're black America, do you still love Kanye enough to say, I mean, or you, do you look at his break from Donald Trump as, okay, he's no longer a Donald Trump supporter, clearly because he's running against him. Yeezy sees this, it's time for change. And if he ran, he would pull away, I would say 90% easily of the Democratic base that would vote, have voted for Joe Biden because now they've got another black man running for president. You've got somebody that's that's focused on, on uh, justice reform, obviously with Kim Kardashian and the work that she's been doing in there. What if he actually chose a legitimate running mate? You know, somebody that's that's going to get in there that actually has some, uh, some abilities, some state of... Get Rand Paul in there. Kanye Paul. Kanye Paul 2020. I don't know. If I'm Democrats, I got to be shaking in my boots because that would just destroy Biden's campaign. Destroy it. It would 100% take away more votes from Biden than it would from Trump. And they would have literally zero chance. Now, I still think Trump's going to win no matter what, Kanye or not. I think that the uh, the silent majority, as they say, is going to weigh pretty heavily in this election. But at the same time, I could be wrong. And if you're the Democrats, woo! Yeah! Scoopity poop! Those turds would be rolling down some old people's pants. As Nancy Pelosi shitting out of her jump shorts, shitting out of those pantsuits, Kanye's got to come in, scoopity poop. Poopity scoopity scoopity poop. Scooping up those Democratic shits as they're rolling out of them pockets, man. Mm, crazy times. Um, now, one thing I want to move on to, too, just talk about this. Of course, when Kanye came out the, you know, initially in support of Trump, you heard a lot of people calling him very nasty names. Of course, Coon is the number one slander that black people call other black people that don't toe the Democratic Party line or dare to question the orthodoxy. Uh, you're seeing it with Kanye. And now, of course, you're seeing it with Terry Crews. Now, Terry Crews had dared to talk about uh, Black Lives Matter and say that maybe all lives matter. And not even that, just, you know, he's, he had said that we shouldn't have black uh, more than equality, I should say, is, is basically what he was he was getting at that to elevate black people above other people is a mistake. And as I said, I think would have a backlash, but he went on CNN with Don Lemon to clarify, which we'll get to in just a second. Oh yeah. Coffee, coffee, coffee. We can and do consume quite a bit of coffee in my household and we can get a coffee sponsor. And actually, we do have one. So that is Lorenzotti Italy. Now, Lorenzotti Italy is a great bean for if you want just a regular cup of coffee. It's a great bean for espresso because actually the way this came about, the genesis of this thing was that a couple of libertarians moved to Utah. I guess the utopians don't know how to make any goddamn coffee up in that piece. So what they ended up doing was saying, you know what? Let's start a business. Let's import. Let's go to Italy. Let's let's figure out this whole situation. Get us some good Italian beans that we know are roasted up high quality started importing them and started their own company, which is how Lorenzotti Italy got, got formed, got started. Also, they are working with entrepreneurs, people that want to start coffee businesses. They're working with coffee houses. They're leasing equipment. They're consulting on coffee businesses. It's really a fantastic libertarian story of success. And they happen to be supporters of the show. And you can go to Lorenzotti.coffee. That's Lorenzotti, L-O-R-E-N-Z-O-T-T-I dot coffee. And by using promo code LIONS, you can get 10% off of your order. 
And make sure to order two tins, by the way, because you get free shipping if you order two of the tins. And it don't make no sense to pay for shipping at five bucks. Easier just to pay for uh, two tins at 11 bucks a pop. And by the way, you may be thinking, oh, this is going to be some coffee that's uh, $20 a tin. No, it's like 11 bucks. Just the same amount as going to the store. So support us, support Libertarian Podcasting, and support Libertarian businesses. Go to laurenzotti.coffee today, promo code LIONS. And that way you can start your day with a roar. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land 184. By the way, all the show notes for today's show are available at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 184. Um, yeah, so Terry Crews went on Don Lemon's show, uh, idiot-ass Don Lemon, to talk about what his statements were on Twitter. Now, it wasn't just the uh, the statement about equality and you know black, uh, black lives equal shouldn't mean black lives better, but also he had tweeted out hashtag all black lives matter with an emphasis on saying, hey, people are dying out there in gun violence. We're talking about not only police brutality, but we also need to talk about gun violence. We need to talk about justice reform. We need to talk about these, uh, these other issues. And Don Lemon, the jackass that he is, of course, can't let him talk, can't let him finish, interrupts him 25 times. And this is a curse. And, and, and Terry Crews is talking about all Black Lives Matter. This is after talking about Chicago and the child deaths that I talked about last show. And of course, there were more children that died over this weekend in various cities due to gun violence. And these, again, this gun violence primarily in black communities, black on black gun violence. So, of course, Don Lemon can't let him finish, has to interrupt him, and has to scold him on live TV that Black Lives Matter is about police brutality, not black-on-black violence. And I guess if you're following the Black Lives Matter hashtag 20, what matters 2020 focus, which is racial injustice, police brutality, criminal justice reform, black immigration, economic injustice, LGBTQIA+, and human rights, environmental conditions, voter rights and suppression, healthcare, government corruption. I mean, really, Black Lives Matter, can they expand their purview to make this? Like, this is the thing that's bullshit about Black Lives Matter, is that it's no longer this grassroots movement. It has become literally a political party. If it's a political party, you should be able to fucking criticize it without losing your goddamn job. Because if, if it's a political party that wields so much emphasis that's providing money to candidates that's doing all of these things that has a platform and they're focusing on these things to, to change the world. You need to be able to talk about it. You have to have an honest conversation. Everybody on the left says we need to have an honest conversation in this country. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck trying to do that. When people get shouted down and you get fucking cancel culture all the time. And of course they talk about common sense gun laws. Common sense gun laws, one of the stupidest phrases that's ever existed. It's a nonsense word that just means gun control. Common sense is the left phrase for we want to take away all your guns and give them to the police, which is exactly who they're protesting against. The idiotic hypocrisy that we see in a lot of these organizations drives me mad. But of course, nowhere in there does it say that they want to address some of the issues within the community that, yes, a lot of people that are getting killed every single weekend are black people in black communities in black on black crime. And how dare Terry Crews draw attention to this, right? 
And of course, as I just said, what ends up happening when a when a black man or a black woman decides not to toe the line of the Democratic Party or dares to think for themselves? Well, of course, they are shamed by using racial slurs thrown by their own people. Terry Crews has been branded a coon by everybody under the sun. Snoop Dogg is calling Terry Crews a coon now. How fucking pathetic and shameful is that? So, you know, I, I'm actually, I reached out to Terry Crews on Twitter. I'm going to see if I can find a contact for him to get through to his publicist. I would love to talk about what his point of view is, how he's arrived at this position. And he's trying to, to, I mean, in this interview, he's explaining himself very well. He's explaining why he arrived to this and why he thinks that we need to focus on things, or we, that Black Lives Matter as a movement needs to focus on more than just the police and police brutality. But Don Lemon's having fucking none of it. Take a listen. Terry Crews joins me now. Terry, man, you stepped in it. You say that you're willing. Yeah. To, you say you're willing to die on this hill. You've taken a lot of heat for this. Explain what you were thinking uh, and why it's so important that you die on this hill. Well, again, and I want to bring up the fact that you know there are some very, very, you know, militant type forces in Black Lives Matter, and what I was issuing was a warning. You know, it's one of those things where I've been a part of different groups. I've been a part of different things, and you see how extremes can really get, can go far and can go wild. And then when you issue a warning and when a warning is seen as detrimental to the movement, how can you ever, ever have checks and balances? Um, you know, in, in the 60s and 70s, airplanes went down all the time. And the reason they found out why they did was because the pilots could never be questioned. And when you have the leaders of the Black Lives Movement who are now talking about, you know, if we don't get our demands, we're going to burn it down. Uh, other black people who are talking about working with other whites and other uh, other races, they're, they're being viewed as sellouts or called Uncle Toms. It starts to start to, you start to understand that you are now, you know, being controlled. You're not being treated as loved. You're actually being controlled. Someone wants to control the narrative. And I viewed it as a very, very dangerous self-righteousness that was developing that, you know, that, that really viewed themselves as better. It was a, almost a supremacist move. So let, let me jump where in, Where they viewed that black li- their black lives mattered a lot more than mine. Okay. So let me jump in here. There's a lot that you said. Um, you, you think Black Lives Matter is, you said it's a, you think it's an extreme movement? Tell me you don't get a little bit of a hint of like when Jordan Peterson was on with that British interviewer, that chick on Channel 4, BBC 4, whatever it was, or Sky TV 4, and she keeps going, so what you're saying is that you think all women are idiots. A little bit of Don Lemon there, right? Accusing Terry Crews, oh, what you're saying is that Black Lives Matter is all extremist, right? Because it's now part of the... No, what... This is the thing. It's a great mantra. It's a true mantra. Black lives do matter. matter. But when you're talking about an organization, you're talking about the leaders, you're talking about the people who are responsible okay, for putting these I things together. I got you. Together. I got you. Oh, great. Thanks for asking me an accusatory question, Don Lemon, and then cutting me off in the middle of explaining my, uh, my thoughts on it and why I would feel that and why what you're saying is incorrect. Great interviewing skills. 
So let me, but you, you, Terry, you realize that even during the civil rights movement that uh, Dr. King was seen as extreme, that movement was seen as extreme to people who don't want to make change. Um, movements are seen as extreme. You can paint them easily as an extreme when they are not. Oh, obviously, because rioting and looting and burning down cities and taking over entire city blocks is totally not extreme. I mean, Martin Luther King loved that stuff, right? I can remember uh, 10 times easily. I kept fingers and toes, counting them off. This is very true. But also, in, when you're talking about MLK, you're talking about Nelson Mandela and even Malcolm X, they all realized that you had to have a non-racial component to these kind of movements or there will be resentment. There will be get back. There will be one of these people will tend to listen. I don't want to move from one oppressor to the next. And one thing is really who's, shocks who's me the next oppressor? At, who's the next oppressor? Oh, when I when I describe this, when you look in the city of Chicago, there are nine children who died by gun violence, by black on black gun violence. With, uh, from June 20th all the way to today. And you're talking about even with the Atlanta child murders, there were 28 kids who, were, who died during, in two years. You're talking about a month and you have nine black kids and the Black Lives Matter movement has said nothing about this What does that have thing. to do you with know? equality though, Terry? I have to tell, I don't understand what that has to do with equality because they're, they're and this again, it just showcases how stupid Don Lemon is. And also, this is what we need to be talking about in regards to this movement. This is why overarchingly, we need to try to bring focus as libertarians to the underlying causes of why this is happening in these communities and why it is distinctively an equality issue due to over-policing, due to government involvement, the welfare state, et cetera. Listen, there's crime. There are people in those communities who are, those people aren't just being nonchalant about about gun violence. I lived in Chicago. There are many people who are working in those communities to try to get rid of the gun violence. It's pr the gun culture in this, in this country is prevalent, but I don't understand what that has to do with a movement that's for equality for black people. It's, it, it, there, it's not mutually exclusive that if you care about equality for black people, that somehow you're going to stop um, random violence or unfortunately kids from being shot. It just seems like apples and oranges. Can, I mean, I, can Don Lemon be fucking dumber? It's like they put a crash test dummy out on a chair and then this worked him like a little, like a little marionette. If he does not have democratic talking points, he doesn't know what to say. He's just literally smushing them together <laughs> to try to make a coherent thought. You know, it, 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 it's not that way. You know, this is the thing, Don, you know, black people, need to hold other black people accountable. I said this the same thing. This is a, a, the black America's version of the Me Too movement. If anything is going to change, we ourselves need to look at our own communities and look at each other and say, this thing cannot go down. And, and this is the thing too. There are a lot of great, great people there who are held hostage, who are held hostage by people who literally are, are, are running these neighborhoods with violence and then claiming that Black Lives Matter. When you look at the parents of these little kids who are mentioning, saying, hey, man, why aren't they speaking up for me, too? And, and this is what I'm saying. It's, it, when I look at this whole thing about, you know, it's about who is controlling the narrative. It's, not, it, it's got to be all Black Lives Matter. And what's happened is that because I even challenged it, because I even questioned and warned okay, people, Terry, I, I became sick. 
Like I, if I, I told get you it. to wear a mask, but you're Terry. What an ideal time for Don Lemon to interrupt him as Terry talks about cancel culture and people attacking him for defending and trying to stop children from being killed. Right? Good job, Don. Way to lay in there. They it's want pretty, to kick you out. You're, you're a high-profile person. You're writing things out there. You know you're going to get backlash. You know people are going to respond to what you're saying on Twitter. So you, I just I don't think you should be surprised by that. I, you know, I have a, a skin as tough as an armadillo because of what I do. And yeah, the same Don Lemon that was crying because uh, Donald Trump tweeted out that video of a wrestling clip with the CNN logo put on the head and saying that he, that they were being harassed and terrified now because it was violence. <laughs> I think maybe you should adapt that. But here's here's what I have to say. Um, the Black Lives Matter movement was started because it was talking about police brutality. If you want an all Black Lives Matter movement that talks about gun violence in communities, including, you know, black communities, then start that movement with that name. But that's not what Black Lives Matter is about. It's not an all-encompassing. So if you're talking about, um, if if someone started a movement that said, uh, cancer matters, and then someone comes in and says, why aren't you talking about HIV? It's not the same thing. We're talking about cancer. So the Black Lives Matter movement is about police brutality and injustice in that manner. Not about what's happening in black neighborhoods. If you, there are people who are working on that issue. And if you want to start that issue, why don't you start it? Do you understand what I'm but, saying? But when, you look, but when you look at the organization, police brutality is not the only thing they're talking about. I know that. But uh, I agree. Uh, but that's not what the Black Lives Matter movement is about, Terry. I swear to God. Don Lemon just says, well, here's what the Black Lives Matter movement is about police brutality. Then goes on. After admitting that Terry Crews is right, that Black Lives Matter talks about 50 other things, as I just talked about, all these different stupid encompassing things, uh, humanity and, and ecology, common sense gun rights. Okay, those are other things, Don. Refutes your point instantly. But no, good old Don Lemon, too stupid to pick that up. Black Lives Matter is about police brutality and about and about criminal justice. It's not about what happens in, in communities when it comes to crime, black on black crime. People who live near each other, black people, kill each other. Same as whites. Eighty some percent of white people are killed by white people true. because of proximity. Very true. It's the same thing with black people. But it happens in every single I neighborhood. But that isn't again, I'm not you saying know, that's not like important that those 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 kids died, but it's a different people. movement. Uh, I, listen, I understand what you're saying. I totally understand. It is about police brutality. That should never be accepted. Yeah. I am not saying that that's not it, but they are. there's more there. Okay. And when I look at, if they have more on their agenda, we need to ask them about what else is on that agenda right. other than police brutality. And that's all I'm doing. Questioning, warning, watching. And if that bothers you, now that bothers I'm me. Over. Because over, if I Terry. can't warn you, we are equal. If we're equal, I should be I able gotta to go, say Terry. something as I got to go. I got to go. We'll see you. Terry, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. What a dismissive piece of fucking shit. And Don Lemon's laughing at the end of the interview. Oh, because he's so great. Oh, can you believe this clown up here talking about black children getting killed? Doesn't he realize that this is only about police brutality, even though the number of black people that get shot by cops every year is very tiny. Okay. 
Well, if we're talking about the overarching systematic processes that you know I agree with of people getting over-harassed, over-policing neighborhoods, again, you got to talk about the root causes of that, how you're also talking about the drug war. I don't hear Black Lives Matter talking shit about the drug war. You also got to talk about how you've got black communities where you've got black leadership in there, democratic leadership that's done nothing, that keeps them in this basically quarantine environment that emphasizes breaking up families like from Joe Biden's fucking criminal justice bill that he signed on to with the goddamn Clintons that emphasizes paying out people to not have reunified family units. I mean, I'm not going to go through this again. You guys have heard me talk about it. I talked about it last year. I've talked about it 25 times. Black Lives Matter does not talk about any of that. But they want to defund the police, which doesn't make any sense practically, as I discussed in the show. Not that I'm for all of the funding that goes to them, but practically it doesn't make sense. Like some Black Lives Matter wants to defund 90% of the LA police department. That just means you don't have any police department, period. You need to have a place, you need to have something in place to, to step in there. You have to have private security. You have to figure this shit out. Just defunding something, taking away 90% of his budget just means you have no cops anywhere. You do need to have some sort of police or you need to have everybody armed to the teeth. But Black Lives Matter doesn't want that even. They want common sense gun reform, which gives all the police back the guns. It gives the military all the guns. Fundamentally a broken philosophy. And they're cramming all this random bullshit in because they are not a movement focused on one thing. They are a movement that is now focused on social, social Marxism and cultural Marxism. They were founded by Marxists. That's what they're doing. That's why you're seeing all this other shit shoehorned in here to try to reshape society as a whole and, and talk about these broader things, how there's nothing can be a concrete example anymore that's fixable easily. It always has to be a cultural overhaul. And Terry Crews, as I said, gave him credit. He's a smart guy. He knows what he's saying. When you point out that making all these broad demands and broad changes and having these amorphous goals, which are, of course, Marxist, and burning down cities and fucking excusing and pardoning, rioting and looting uh, when you're talking about the Chaz and the Chop and people getting shot and killed in those zones and people's private property being taken over. Yeah, you're going to have pushback. You're going to have people react badly to that. He is right. And for a fucking ass clown like Don Lemon to laugh in his face and interrupt him and not even let him. He brings him on the show with one purpose. It's not to listen to him. It's not to hear him out. It's not to find out what he had to say or to have him clarify what he means and why it's important to change the message or alter it to include and, and focus on the crime that's happening that's actually killing way more black people from violence and brutality than uh, simple police brutality is. Not to excuse that. But Don Lennon, he doesn't bring him on to hear him out. He brings him on to fucking lecture him. And that much is obvious because he doesn't let him finish. And just, again, the condescending. God, I just, it's just, woo! Would be fun to violate the nap all over Don Lemon's face. I mean that non-sexually. <laughs> Don't want to have a lemon party with that lemon. Um, but yeah, man, what a fucking piece of shit he is. And then in the wake of this, though, like I said, You've got people, celebrities, you've got uh, uh, just random black Twitter users tweeting Uncle Tom at, Tom at Terry Crews, calling him a fucking coon uh, as a sellout. 
the sellouts are the people that are in bed with the establishment. The sellouts are the people that are going along blindly with this stupid shit and virtue signaling along with this BLM movement when they don't know what they're signing up for. They don't know the backlash that it's going to cause and getting in bed with the democratic establishment and and Marxists. You know, the, the quote unquote uh, social Democrats, you know, oh, it's democratic socialism. It's different. Oh, yeah. Just like Venezuela was. Let's overhaul society, destroy everything that, that America's been. But of course, that's all. That's what it's couched in, is that now, because America's built on slavery and runs on slavery and systematically slavery, and we need reparations and all this other shit, and we have to tear it down, we have to tear down the statues and tear down everything that, that it stood for, right? Even people are saying, fuck the 4th of July, right? And, and, you know, I read Frederick Douglass' speech about, you know, how 4th of July, what is 4th of July to a slavery or to a slave? What is Independence Day to a slave? That was a powerful speech given at a time when slavery was still legal and active. Now, I know, as Dave Chappelle pointed out, slavery wasn't that long ago, but you still have plenty of opportunity. You still have black people living at a higher standard of living than virtually any place in the entire world. You've got the only real systematic oppression I can see is what I've been talking about within black communities, within policing, within the welfare state, and within the criminal justice system. It seems that there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of, a lot of programs in place, whether or not we as libertarians agree with them or not, that have been focused purely on benefiting minorities and black people specifically. And to say that somehow the American experiment has failed because the people that created America and created this this theoretical uh, society based upon equality and liberty and freedoms, which has, again, given black people the most opportunity and, and highest standard of living compared to virtually any place in the world, that this is somehow a horrible thing that has to be completely torn down and we have to throw out the baby with the bathwater doesn't fucking make sense. And when you've got people calling out Terry Crews and saying that he's all sorts of these horrible things and calling him all sorts of racist names because he dares to question the orthodoxy is, is really just insane. Again, why I double down on my cancel everybody. Let's get everybody canceled. Now there's an interesting article that I had read. Uh, again, this is reason and it's about the dark triad and it's it basically some tenants that these, these researchers found which is that narcissists, psychopaths, and manipulators are more likely to engage in, quote, virtuous victim signaling. Now, I don't want to break down this entire thing, but they're called the dark triad traits. And it, it basically tells you exactly what you might have thought. That the people that are more in line, that have these narcissistic traits, that psychotra- you know, more psychopathic traits, that have more manipulative traits, are far more likely to engage in virtue signaling and also this vicious virtue signaling of attacking people in order to benefit themselves, to get adoration or to get some sort of compensation, building up a social profile and then trying to spin that off into some sort of monetary benefit. Also in this, they did this study, they examined people that were, again, describing themselves as virtue signaling and more virtuous and all this other shit. These people also, which we've known all along, are also far more inclined to cheat and lie to get their goals to, to achieve their ambitions. They did like a coin flip game where I guess you can, and they don't describe it in detail in the article I was reading, but it's a coin flip game where I guess you can either 
similar to some other studies, I think, lie about what you've gotten or the person has to trust you. And you find that nine out of 10 times, these people would lie or cheat to get ahead and win the game. Because really, the morality isn't isn't the key thing. The, the power, the benefits are the key things. Again, the narcissism of I am right and I am good and I will win this because I deserve to win this and you are shit should you try to come against me, come to the forefront. So you see this play out though, where these manipulators, you know, this vir- virtuous victim victimhood, where they're lying about their own experiences as victims, they're trying to portray themselves as victims to get ahead, or they're trying to attack and tear down other people. These things are playing out in front of our very eyes. You see what's happening here with Terry Crews. People see this as a way because he dared to violate the norm and he dared to go across the 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 new cathedral of Black Lives Matter that he has to be torn down, that people have to cry victim and say, well, how could you? You're a famous celebrity. I'm, you know, I'm just a guy and I'm experiencing racism every day, and blah, 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 which may be true. In nine out of 10 cases, it's probably not. I remember, I recall another study where they actually were interviewing young black Americans and the majority, I think it was something like seven or eight out of 10 of them said that they typically experienced no racism in their day. Yeah, that's not everybody. There's far more racist places and there's far less racist places. There's also people that are looking actively for racism and will take a slight, whether it be racist or not, as a racist indication no matter what. You find racism where you try to look at me, find anything if you try to look for it. I guarantee I can find, if I walk down the street, I can find people that would look at me a different way or not make my eyes, you know, like I was talking about being a neighbor if I'm walking past some Hispanic guy that doesn't meet me in the eyes at the glance, oh, racist. It's there if you're trying to look for it because you can invent it. And these people are now branding Terry Crews as this evil, quote unquote, coon, uh, Uncle Tom, whatever it might be, when he's not doing anything that would indicate that he's against black lives mattering or that he's not a, a true and loyal uh, black man. He's a guy that seems to have his priorities in order. And as I said, the world's made up of idiots and assholes and the simple, you know, the the useful uh, idiots of the world are too dumb to see the nuance of his argument. And as we've evolved this cancel culture, there is no nuance. It's pure black and white. I was just reading a letter uh, from Harper's, Harper's Magazine, uh, a letter on justice and open debate, which is signed by, you know, everybody from Noam Chomsky through to, uh, who is this? Katie Herzog and fuck, who's that guy? It's like, there's a, I was thinking Barry Weiss is on here. There's a bunch of people, just a lot of very famous writers. I'm trying to, there's one black guy on here who's a very, very famous writer and I just can't fucking think of his name and I can't find it. So I'm about to give up and I am three. There we go. Malcolm Gladwell. (laughs) Good old Malcolm Gladwell. But this letter essentially still goes out of its way to slam Donald Trump because obviously, as you know, and as I discussed with CJ Hopkins, anything you write, even if you are a leftist, you have to couch that with, hey, don't worry, we're against Trump too, guys. And he's a, he's the great Satan of our society. And don't worry, this Harper's Magazine piece definitely goes out of the way to do that. But they also are just calling for debate, that you need to have tolerance of different voices, of ideological uh, differences in people and allow them to speak in order to have a democracy or, or to have a republic. You have to have information exchange. You have to have anything uh, resembling open dialogue and debate to have a liberal society. Otherwise, you would just come to have totalitarianism. And these people don't understand 
as I've said before, once you start policing speech and be it hate speech or be it, you know, in social media, whatever it might be, well, that might be the, the speech of the day that's not popular. These things fucking change. I mean, these imbeciles are trying to look back and say that the, the crimes of the past erase the good of the present by virtue of the fact that it's a different time. It was a different time. Slavery was literally practiced the world over at the time. Doesn't mean it's a good thing. It just was what was accepted at the time. Now, as I said before, at that time, abolitionists were being censored. Abolitionists were being strung up for their speech. And these same fucking idiots don't understand that by policing and censoring speech, you run that same risk. Because while you're fighting this fight today and you're trying to cancel and censor everybody that doesn't agree with you specifically and explicitly with no gray areas allowed, don't understand that, well, that coin could flip. And when it does, they're going to come after you, motherfucker. They're going to come after you. You're going to be the one on the outside. And God forbid this totalitarian, authoritarian society that you're pushing through comes to fruition. Because when that leadership gets in there with all the powers and privileges to rape and murder and kill and burn down villages, if you don't like what they're saying, you don't like the way that they're living, when that comes to bear, you're the ones that are going to be up against the wall. But because history now doesn't matter, because history has been rewritten, in the way that these Marxists want, no one's going to remember that until it's too late. All right, let me take a quick commercial break, and then we're going to come back. I'm going to do about a 15 more minutes of stories. God damn, I've been rambling on this fucking episode. I'm going to talk a little bit about coronavirus, and then we'll do a couple idiots of the week, and then we'll wrap it up. But before we get into that, so I want to tell you guys about a uh, listener's podcast of ours, which is pretty sweet, especially if you're into the Star Wars universe, which... I am, I will admit, uh, you guys know, I fall asleep watching Star Trek The Next Generation when I take my little naps in the afternoons, but I do enjoy me a good Star Wars, and frankly, I think Rogue One and Solo are some of the best movies that have been made in the past, I don't even know, 10 years for Star Wars, so come at me, bro! Fucking fight you right here in the street. Anyway, so when you're not listening to the absolute best libertarian variety show podcast, that of course being ours, check out a podcast called Scarif Scuttlebutt, S-C-A-R-I-F, Scuttlebutt. It is a no-shill Star Wars podcast. They're talking about everything from the movies to books to TV through to video games. I do like the video games. Got to see. I just got a PlayStation 4. I might want to grab one of those. Anyway, they do deep dives into the saga, not just skimming the surface. And they're talking about topics including politics, propaganda, and even fate versus free will as they're going through it in the context of this podcast. Uh, these guys are not afraid to speak their minds. They are on Twitter. You can check them out. Give them a follow at Scarif Podcast. Again, that is S-C-A-R-I-F Podcast. And you can download and listen to them anywhere podcasts are found. So check it out. Let me know what you think of uh, what's going on there. And uh, I'll let you know what I think is going on right now with more Electric Liberty Land. Okay, so getting back into the show. Fucking coronavirus, right? Okay, so California is in another second shutdown where it's the restaurants and indoor businesses. Now, you can still go into some of them if you're in your masks on, right? So it's like kind of a mixed shutdown. 
I know San Francisco, that bastion of true dipshit thinking, has shut down all restaurants, all bars, all everything for the indefinite future. So if you're a business in San Francisco that owns a bar or restaurant, good luck. That's what they're saying. Good luck to you. We don't know. You may just be closed forever. Your business may be fucked. Your multi-generational wealth might be gone in the tubes. You might not be able to uh, to get your credit rating back ever. You might just be completely destitute. Here, join the shitting in the gutter homeless masses that we spend $500 million a year on. They'll welcome you in with open crazy arms and needle fingers. But you, who provide a a true service to the community, uh, you know, tough luck. Thanks, San Francisco. But the governor has ordered a shutdown of restaurants that have only indoor seating. You can still go outside like I did uh, the uh, the speech at the Los Angeles Libertarian Convention this past weekend. Hungover, as is my brand. But you couldn't tell because I'm so damn good. But anyway, you know, we went to the Sports Harbor, my favorite home away from home, and uh, we were out in the patio. So it worked out okay. You know, I was able to, to deliver that speech. And I'm, I think Angela is going to be able to get me the audio from that. So hopefully I'll be able to publish that uh, either maybe not in full, but maybe for our pride or Patreon. We'll see how it works out. Oh, shit. My music. It's not time yet. Music. How dare you? How dare you? My, my show's telling me it's time to wrap up and I couldn't agree more. But anyway, so this is because you've seen a big spike in coronavirus infections. Now, this, of course is naturally because of the fucking protests that happened. And you know how I know this? Because the majority of cases in every state, by the way, where you're seeing a spike, and of course, these are all related to protests uh, for the most part. Maybe some of them is just people going out and going to bars and restaurants. But when you've got hundreds of thousands of people in cities going out that are what age? Oh, that's right. They're younger because old people aren't going to go risk it. People with diabetes aren't going to go hobble out there on their single legs. No offense to my diabetes listeners. Um, Yeah, so you're seeing this big surge in infections. And of course, the answer is that we have to close down the bars and the restaurants again. Even though people are going out of the way to put measures into place, even though we know for a fact that lockdowns and social distancing do jack shit because you look at countries that did and didn't do them and they have zero correlation between lower rates. In fact, the infection rate seems to be about the same. But we've got this surge in cases now. And of course, there's doing, they're doing a lot more testing. A lot more people are going in to be tested. And you've got younger people checking it out to go in and be tested. So all the people that are getting this, this big surge, and this is backed up statistically, read several articles on it just today, are younger people between the ages of 18 and 40 that were out at the protests or out at the bars or at the restaurants who are also predominantly asymptomatic. They show no illnesses. They show no, uh, no adverse effects. Now, of course, there's also this, this theory that, oh, well, it could have long-term effects. Really? How do you know? This has been around for a year, maybe if we actually trace it back, because it certainly seems that it's been going through and circulating through the population for quite some time, well before they acknowledge it. And it certainly seems that the death rates is about the same as the flu. It certainly seems that the infection rate is roughly the same as the flu. And of course, you're seeing hospitalizations go up and all these news articles are running and with the hysterical headlines of, oh my God, hospitalizations are up 50%. Of course, they say they're up amid 
the coronavirus surge. Okay, not due to the surge. Because, you know, God forbid we have honest reporting here that says specifically that the hospitalizations are not due to a, a coronavirus surge. In fact, the statistical, the statistic outcome of it says something like 18 to 30% of the people in the hospital are there for COVID. The rest of the people are there for any other number of ailments that have been delaying going to the hospitals because you weren't allowed to get in there. That it was difficult. So you have all these people that are going in for various procedures, all these people going in for various maladies that they've been fucking putting off. And then they get in the hospital and then they test them for COVID and half of them have it. You know why? Because so many people already fucking have it or they got it in the hospital. So this is all statistical malfeasance going on here, trying to freak people out and trying to con them. And we've been seeing the media do this nonstop. Look at hydrochloric, I'm going to say this wrong, hydroxychloroquine, right? The drug that everybody was making fun of Donald Trump for because he said that he would take it. He said he's been using it. And the media said, oh, you're crazy. You're going to kill people. This is unbelievable. How dare you? It doesn't work. Guess what? It does work. Are you seeing the media cover that all the time? Are you seeing them talk about the fact that if you take it early on in the infection period, it decreases the rate of people that have to go to the hospital by 50%? Because that's what the studies show now. After the media decried it and has talked people out and probably is killing people that could survive COVID. But now, because they told them that hydroxychloroquine was dangerous and deadly, even though it's been used for fucking 50 years to treat malaria. They told him it was deadly and irresponsible to take it. And of course, these people hate Donald Trump, so they're not going to believe anything he does. Well, they probably are dying because of it. Again, 50% decline in the number of people hospitalized if you take it early on. It's just sickening. And of course, in the midst of all this, in the midst of these brand new shutdowns, in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement and the call for racial equality and all these other things, we are seeing people that are minority, uh, low-income households get crushed beyond belief, especially black businesses and black-owned businesses, which, of course, now the government has a brand new call for a brand new bill to bail out just black-owned businesses but we've seen black-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses and people that are working within industries that are harder hit, these low-income industries that have been shut down effectively by the government. Well, of course, they're the ones that are out of work. Where's the justice for them in shutting down the economy a second time for these people, most of whom are going to be younger workers? Most of them are not able to get their payouts, by the way, and are, are going to get a small amount of money that's not going to be able to, to tide them over until this indefinite time period that we're fucking locked down once again finally ends. Just absolutely sickening. Speaking of sickening, how can I go through a show without talking about the fact that Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend, confidant, co-rapist, child sex groomer, uh, truly horrible, horrible person who, uh, I don't know, must have had an ample amount of fucking candy to, to arrange all these things. I don't know. Candy, cocaine, and $100 bills must be what's in Jislaine uh, Maxwell's wallet. But she has been arrested and taken into custody. And as of right now, she is saying she's going to She's going to work with the FBI. 
She has copies of the Epstein sex tape. She even says that she has a video of Prince Andrew. Now, unfortunately, this news has already been out for quite some time. So all of the memes and all of the jokes have been made. I mean, really, what am I going to add to it? The joke I probably would have made because I made a similar joke. <laughs> I guess I'll just tell it. I had a similar joke in the past about child molesters where I said, you know, if you keep track of the child child that you, you were molesting over the years and it turns out to be somebody like the chick uh, Cheryl Burke who was on Dancing with the Stars, you're like, hey, who's got an eye for talent? This guy, who knows how to pick him? Similar joke to what they said on Part of the Problem saying, hey, girlfriend of the year. Again, these are terrible jokes. These are mean, cruel, horrible NPC jokes. Um, but hey, you know, this is how we deal with the horrors in life as you uh, joke about them. Doesn't make them any less grisly, but psychologically provides a little bit of armor. So, of course, what else can I say, though? She definitely is going to die. Like, I don't know. If they could get to Epstein, right, and the the cameras magically don't work, and he magically dies in his cell in a way that was physically impossible, this chick is going down. The question is how and when and why. You know, like my wife had sent me a, a a little article today that was a post that kind of got took taken down saying that she had COVID, that Ghislaine Maxwell has COVID. And of course she's up there. So wouldn't that be a convenient cover, right? Oh, she died of COVID. Weird kind of COVID that involved multiple stab wounds. It turns out that she was beaten with a broom handle. It's the newest thing because, you know, hydrochloroquoxaquino, uh, that doesn't work. So we just uh, had to beat her with pipes and uh, to try to get the virus out, we bleached her. We had a lot of leeches sucking all the blood out of her. We used too many leeches. I don't know what to tell you. The medieval doctor's fired. We don't know what happened to him. He disappeared too, but just, man, you know, the bad, you got to get the bad blood out. Too many leeches. Hashtag too many leeches. So that'll be fun to watch. Um. <laughs> I am not going to talk about Facebook today. Now they're going to be policing speech after crumbling in the face of an advertiser boycott as spurred on by some anti-hate speech bullshit group. Facebook is at the end of the days, people. It's end of days. Uh, other other platforms are rising up. As I mentioned, I, have not, I haven't got, not gotten too far into Parler yet, but that's one option. I might look at the Dave Rubin Locals uh, site that he started up and check that out soon. Facebook's not long for this world. We're on there because you're on there. So until we, uh, until our mass audience migrates off of there, we are, we are stuck as a duty to you. But I will say that we're definitely looking at our options because if they're going to start policing, quote unquote, hate speech, oh, we all know that's just code for whatever the left doesn't like. So a lot of what we're saying, of course, is going to fall into that category. So might be time to peace. All right, and then a a few idiots of the week to wrap it up on a little lighter note here. Number one, Michigan State University has fired a researcher for being a racist. This is after, actually, it's the vice president of research and innovation at Michigan State, uh, Michigan State University, a physicist named Stephen Hsu was forced out of his position actual show after daring to show actual facts from a 2019 study 2019 study showing no racial bias in incidents of police shootings now this is something that statistically I've, i you've seen play out quite a bit in that 
as we know, more white people are shot than black people, and then it doesn't seem to specifically correlate to anything. That doesn't account for what I talked about earlier in the show, harassment, over-policing, etc. But this is a study this guy shared, a peer-reviewed study backed up by statistics and facts, and a bunch of dickheads at the university, including professors, drummed him out. Open letters, protests, calling for me filed, even though he had... There's something like 800 people signed a petition to get him fired for sharing this peer-reviewed paper based on statistics of police shootings. 2,000 people signed a counter-petition, and he was still fired. Nice work, Michigan State University. You're an embarrassment. Go Spartans. Number two... Virginia College. Actually, I'm going to say this one. Let's do Rob Reiner, Fatty Rob Reiner next. Of course, you'd think, I think Rob Reiner is the son of Carl Reiner, the great comedian who did many un-PC bits and was brilliant. And now his fat, smoking, hating, tub-of-shit son, who only now trades in far-left ideology and authoritarianism, uh, which is too bad because he was a very talented writer and director back in the day, including one of my favorite movies when Harry Met Sally. But Rob Reiner is now saying that November 3rd, we'll find out how many racists live in America. The tiredest of tired leftist tropes that if you dare to vote for anyone but the doddering, senile, dementia-addled fool, that of course is plenty racist in his own right. If you dare to vote for anything else but Joe Biden, and I'm sure that encompasses libertarianism, by the way, because people love to pretend that libertarians are racist for advocating the policies, because we advocate for policies that are not (laughs) race-based. But he says that we will find out how many racists live in America, November 3rd. Oh, Rob, can't we switch you for your father? I think your father. Can't we make that happen somehow? Can't we have, like, you know, a freaky Friday moment where the two of you touch an urn and you switch bodies and your fat ass is dead in that old man body, rotting away in the ground, and he could still be around, you know, somewhat more spry? Can we make that happen? Can we have a seance and bring, bring Carl Reiner back and shove him in there in that body just do like a little ghost enema and hopefully your ghost pops out of your fucking eyeballs and drifts down to hell where you belong okay and the last one virginia college may nick's wasp mascot fearing the tie to white anglo-saxon protestants emory and henry college in virginia will examine its wasp mascot because the bug may appear, quote unquote, exclusive to students who are not white Anglo-Saxon Protestants or wasps. This is Don Lemon level retarded. I don't think I've ever seen a stupider thing in my life. And this is in the midst of the Washington Redskins, by the way. I didn't talk about this, which is surprising because I am a sports fan, as you know, but we'll see what ends up happening. The Redskins is the one name. And I actually, you know, I grew up, my dad was you know, kind of like the Redskins and we were Eagles household, obviously Eagles, Browns. And then he had a kind fondness for the Redskins for some reason. I think maybe because my grandfather was a military guy and moved around a bit. But the Redskins, I mean, the, a Redskin is a slur. If there were ever a team name that was indefensible, it would have been 
the Redskins and is the Redskins. I mean, it's literally like going up and be like, hey, is this the Brooklyn Wops? All right. I mean, it's, it is a fucking slur. It is a racial slander that they used to call Native Americans Redskins. And, you know, Redskins fans and ownership, they'll be like, well, you know, I've talked to plenty of Native Americans and they like it. Okay, well, from what I've heard and read, a lot of them still don't. And they might prefer a different alternative. Now, that being said, I do think changing the the icon of the team to a red potato would be a pretty funny way of solving that problem. And as, and as I suggested, I think the best name for the Redskins should be the Shedskins. You can still keep a lot of the same songs. It's got the same sound quality. But for fuck's sake, for a team that resides within a city run by the most flip-flopping, turn-coated, wolf and sheepskin pieces of shit that'll shed their skin in a second to flop to the other side to maintain power, why would you not call them the Washington Shedskins and make the icon a snake? That's just pure brilliance. You can send money to me at patreon.com forward slash lines of liberty or just to me directly. I'll also take that. But anyway, where the fuck was I? Oh, to change this name. A wasp is a physical incarnation of an insect that happens to have the same title that corresponds with an anagram for white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. Or an acronym, excuse me. An anagram would have been more fun. Maybe something like Powers. <laughs> Don't ask me. It's at the end of the show. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're you're <laughs> you're going to change the mascot because a physical insect named the wasp shares an acronym of white Anglo-Saxon process. By the way, is that a, is that a bad is that a bad thing? I mean. It, if you're a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, isn't this kind of a racist move against you to say that we're going to change something away because it happens to coincidentally correspond with this abbreviation for what you are? That's offensive. I mean, what's more fucking offensive here? It's got to be changing the name because it corresponds with the type of people in a in some uncorroborated, uncorrelated fashion has to be more fucking racist than just leaving it alone because it's an insect that has nothing to do with any race or any color or any religion. It's just a bug with a stinger that people don't like. And thus, that's why it's your mascot, because it's an intimidating insect that hurts. Absolute idiocy okay no cards up my sleeves i'm out that's it me brian mcwilliams thanking you from the lions of liberty don't forget to listen to mark claire on the flagship monday show john odermatt on friday with felony friday always a fascinating and moving show and of course me every wednesday and like i said we're going to record a, a show to address the questions you guys have posed to us uh with your itunes five-star reviews Please do keep those up. And uh, yeah, it should be a fun show. So anyway, guys, I'll see you later. Thanks a lot from me, Brian McWilliams from Electric Liberty Land. Always stay plugged into Liberty.